Thank you, Judy. One with many long names again, sorry. <laughs> so here we are again, the beginning of January, and another done your fast is looming. I am five days caffeine free, and I feel great. Thank you. You do not know how Thursday was. It was not fun. We're going to spend some time this morning uh, thinking about fasting. Me and Simon are going to do a Morecambe and Wise, so we're going to do a little bit of a double act. Uh, I'm going to start, and then he's going to say everything I forget to say. Um, So we're going to think, first of all, about fasting, and then move into uh, thinking about our theme for this Daniel fast, which, as you can see, is grace and truth. It's a theme that we'll be following closely with Ipswich International Church. So hopefully as you came in, you were given out a leaflet with Bible study notes in. We've written those together as two churches and uh, we're going to be sharing every day uh, the same Bible verses and the same Bible reading. So I would encourage you, if you didn't get one on the way in, to grab one on the way out and use that as part of your devotional time. But let's for a moment think about what fasting really is. John Wesley, who you will know for writing many uh, hymns and being part of the Wesley family, said this, Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason. Others have utterly disregarded it. He was writing into a culture where some religious people fasted many, many, many weeks uh, and made themselves look terrible. They put themselves on the top of columns and, and made themselves, I am fasting before the Lord. But he was also writing to a culture who rebuked themselves against that and said, I don't want that. I don't believe that's what scripture says. So I'm just not going to use fasting as part of a spiritual discipline at all. He was writing to a culture that was working in extremes. I know a culture a little bit like that. Some of us believe that fasting is the key to everything, and God will do exactly what we would like him to do if we fast well enough. Others of us think fasting, I'm not coming to church that week. Some of us are a bit in the middle. Lots of us are a bit in the middle. And so we should encourage one another to have a healthy view of fasting. And that's what we're going to explore today. There are so many people who fasted in scripture. We've heard of a few uh, already today. We've looked at Daniel and all of Daniel's counterparts who fasted in this way, removing everything uh, that would defile him apart from vegetables and water. But there are many others who fasted. Uh, You can think of some, Esther. But also, I guess most importantly, Jesus And if Jesus fasted, then we have to find a healthy view of fasting. We have to be honest about it. Recognize that it's not something that comes naturally to us with a culture of two extremes, but also of food and of abundance. We have to understand together what biblical fasting really is about. So for a few minutes, let's think about why we fast. Primarily, and don't hear anything else other than this right at the beginning, fasting is about worshipping God. It's about worshipping God. I love the story of Anna in uh, Luke. Anna and Simeon, they're in the temple. They've been waiting for the Messiah for, for all their lives. And it says this, 
She never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Like Daniel, she had a rhythm of fasting and praying that was the heartbeat of her life. And why did she do it? To worship her father, to worship the Lord. She fasted as a way of saying, God, I'm worshipping you with all that I am, including all that I eat, all that I have, all that I choose to use my time with. I am worshipping you. It says in Romans 12, give your everyday ordinary life as a living sacrifice. She knew what she was doing. She was using her whole life as worship to God. If nothing else happens as part of this fast, I long by the end of these three weeks to know that I have done it in a way that worshipped God. If nothing else, if I see no breakthrough in prayer, if I don't even hear God's voice clearly for three weeks, as long as at the end of it I go, I, am wor- I have worshipped you through the way that I have lived and through the way I've used my time and through what I have eaten, then I will be happy. As we fast, we are literally giving our whole lives to God and saying he is our king. It's all about him and him alone. Paul writes this. Hang on a minute. No, I'm going to not jump ahead. Fasting is all about God. It's a spiritual discipline. But there are other reasons to fast as well. This verse. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. There are lots of things in our lives that hold us back from hearing God's voice. There are lots of things that hold us back from worship. I reckon you could probably name ten without even thinking about it. What stops you from worshipping God? What stops you from uh, hearing his voice? What stops you from spending time with him? Paul reminds us that nothing is better than knowing God. Nothing is worth more than knowing Jesus as your friend and saviour. Nothing is worth more than having precious time with him. Everything else is garbage for the sake of knowing Christ. That's what fasting is all about. It's about worship. It's about knowing your friend and saviour. It's about making space and time to do just hanging out with him. Fasting also reveals the things that control us. Now, my caffeine and chocolate addiction is well documented in this church. I love chocolate, and I always start the day with a coffee. Why? Well, I don't know. I I, I don't know, but I do. It's been a routine. I used to work in a coffee shop when I was 14 years old, actually blending the coffee and roasting it all the way through. I love coffee, but I also know that when I give it up, I get a really bad headache. What does that say? Hmm. It controls me. It controls me. There is something in the caffeine that me and my body really, really like. More than the headache, I get really grumpy. Sorry. I've never been grumpy here, have I? I get really, really grumpy, and I feel a bit snappy. 
caffeine has a control in my life. And it's not till I've given it up uh, during fasting seasons that I've really realized how much of a control it has over my mood. Me and Simon both gave up together many years ago. And I remember us uh, going to a trustees meeting in the evening and we'd allowed ourselves one coffee a day. We got to the trustees meeting and they only had decaf. And I found him weeping in the toilets outside. It was awful. It was awful. We'd been saving ourselves all... Yeah, he's a bit embarrassed now. It, we, it was awful. We got there. We were hoping for the coffee and it was decaf. Guys, that controls you. <laughs> it leads you to tears. I joke, though. But actually, snapping at my kids because I haven't had a coffee is not a godly attitude. And I joke about the chocolate, but my waistline suggests that I shouldn't eat anymore. I joke about other things that control me, that I go to when I'm stressed or I'm feeling nervous or anxious or I feel like life is overwhelming. Those are the things I go to and actually they control me. That is not a biblical view of the gifts God has given us. I believe he's given us these things to enjoy. Feasting is important. Sharing a good coffee with a friend is okay. I'm not saying that's bad. But as James puts here, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never out fault in what they say, he's talking especially about the tongue, is perfect, able to control their own body. I know the first couple of days after giving up caffeine, control of my emotions is a lot harder than when I'm on the coffee. What controls me in my life should not be the gifts of God, but should be God alone. I should be able to have a relationship with him that is as pure and as able as possible. Fasting reveals things in our lives that control us. And it's not just food. It could be television programs. I haven't watched EastEnders this week and I feel like I've lost out on a whole part of my life. It could be anything that controls us. I'm not saying any of these things are bad, but I am saying that there is one person we should go to when we're stressed, and there's one God that we should trust with our whole lives. Fasting also helps us tune into God's voice. I've said this a lot over the last week, uh, but it's so true. When we first did the Daniel fast uh, a year and a half ago, we just did a week to start with, if you remember, uh, uh, Wale from uh, Ipswich International Church came and spoke uh, about their experience of fasting. And he said something that has stuck with me ever since. I'm going to say it again so that it reminds you. He said, when you go to a party and your phone rings, you get your phone out and you try and hear the person on the other end. But it's really noisy and it's re there's music playing and there's other people laughing and joking and someone's asking you if you would like some food and you can't quite hear the person on the end of the phone. So what do you do? You step outside to a quieter place and then you can hear the voice on the phone. Fasting is just like that. It's removing a number of the noises that are in our lives and stepping outside, making space, having a posture of worship and saying, God, I am here. Speak. I love that picture. 
It's helped me through many times when I've thought, oh, I can't hear God's voice. It's made me go, okay, what's stopping me hear God's voice? What's too noisy? What other distractions are in my life that I need to remove so that I can say, God, I am here. Your servant is ready. Speak to me. I really encourage you over the next three weeks, as you fast in whatever way you're choosing to, to just make some space to step outside of your busy life and turn some of the distractions down and just listen to God. There are so many different ways to hear from God. Some of us love silence. Some of us need to go for a walk. Some of us uh, need to put worship music on and then wait on God. There are so many different ways to hear God's voice. Always start with the Bible. And if you weren't here last week, we looked a lot about how to read the Bible this year. Um, And so do talk to any of us about SOAP or look on the website as a way of hearing from God through Scripture. We'd love to encourage you to do that perhaps more over the next three weeks as well. But together as we fast, let's really, really tune into God's voice. And let's make space for that, shall we? Another uh, little reason uh, to fast, but it's quite a big one as well, is to remind us who provides for us. Um, My Tesco online delivery uh, came on Thursday, a bit later than I planned because I was late. Um, And uh, it, it provided me with food for the weekend and food for the beginning of the Daniel fast. But ultimately, it's not Tesco's who, div- who provides for me in any way. It is God. He provides for all that I have. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. If you're here on Christmas Day, that was the verse that we reminded ourselves about, about the good gifts that God gives us. How thankful are you when you're fasting? Now, there's a challenge. I was very unthankful on Thursday. But as we strip some of the things away that we think we need, we need to stop and be thankful to the God who provides actually for all our needs. Fasting reminds us who provides for us. A couple of things about what fasting is not. Sadly, it's not a diet. Some of you are thinking, oh, I really need to get a few pounds off after Christmas. I'm joining you with that. Primarily, it is not a diet. Now, you might lose a bit of weight because you're eating less chocolate and drinking less wine. But food should never be the primary motive for fasting. To lose a few pounds, you go on a diet. You don't go on a fast. Make the food part of your fast, a a small part. I know that sounds a bit mad when I'm saying to you, give up the dairy, give up the caffeine, give up this, that, and the other. But there are a lot of things that are very basic that you can do on the Daniel fast. We ate an awful lot of beans. Not baked beans, kidney beans, cannoli beans, all those kind of beans. They make a really good five-bean chili for the first week. And then by the second week, you're a bit done with beans, as is your body. The third week, I'm not going to tell you what happens. But but we made it as easy as we possibly could. I did a lot of soup, a lot of jacket potatoes with some homemade guacamole. We made it as easy as we possibly could because it's not a diet and it's not about the food. It's about tuning into God's voice 
and worshipping him. If you love cooking, then you can be way more adventurous. And some of you really thrived last year. You were cooking amazing feasts on the Daniel fast. I was seriously impressed. Others of you lived on bananas that you put in the freezer and then you take them out and you can turn them into a kind of ice cream. Really nice. Don't get me wrong. There will be some food challenges over the next week. But it isn't a diet. It isn't about the food. It's about eating a very basic diet so that you can tune into God's voice. This afternoon, as a family, we will make some soup and we will make some homemade hummus. Very, very easy, but we will do it together. And as we do, we will pray together. It's our way of starting the fast. Find a way to use the time that you're cooking to worship God and to tune into him. You'll find that your fast is very different if you do it that way. This one's a bit tricky. What's fasting not? Not a bargaining tool. We need to check our motives when we come to fast. Now this one is really hard because as I start this year, I have a long list of things that I think God might do this year. And if I fast a bit more, maybe you'll do them a bit quicker. That's honest. But as I've thought about this week, this uh, verse, this um, passage came to me from Richard Forster. And if you've not read his chapter on fasting in the very good book on spiritual disciplines, then I would borrow it off me and you can. But we talked about this with the interns the other week. How is it easy is it to take something like fasting and try to use it to get God to do what you want? At times, there is such stress upon the blessings and benefits of fasting that we would be tempted to believe that with a little fast, we could have the world, including God, eating out of our hands. Fasting requires us to have right motives. There is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to see breakthrough in your life over the next three weeks. There is absolutely nothing wrong than having a list of things that you would love God to do. But if that is your primary motive for fasting, then I'd ask you to step back and think a little bit about it. Because at the end of the three weeks, if God hasn't ticked off all those things, some of you will say to me, do you know what, that fast didn't work. It just took a lot of effort and I had to give up caffeine. Because your motives were about just wanting to see breakthrough in the areas that you want God to break through in. Now, I understand that. There are so many areas in my life where I'm saying, God, I need to see you in this and this and this. But primarily, I have to recognize that God is sovereign and that he will do it his own way. And fasting is not a tool to just get God to listen to us more. That's hard. At the end of this three weeks, I long for you guys and myself to have heard God's voice. And if we see breakthrough in prayer, and if we see good things happen, uh, physical things happen, if we see God's spirit move in a new way in our church, if we see all kinds of things happen in our neighborhood or at your workplace or whatever, Brilliant. We will celebrate those. But actually, let's just commit together to hearing God's voice and seeing what happens, shall we? I can do that. I hope you can too.
Just a few really quick tips, okay? So number one, you need to put God first in everything that you do. Put God first. So us making food together this afternoon is our way as a family of saying, God, this fast is for you. We're making this food and we're going to give certain things up because we love you and we want to hear your voice. Check your motives. Put God first. And to do that, there are loads of ways to do that. So make sure you're committed to Sundays and coming and worshipping together. Uh, Make sure you diary in time that you're going to hang out with God. Don't just think it's going to magically happen because you've given up food. Make sure you diary some time or you've given up television. Make sure you actually use that time, not to do spring cleaning, but to actually hang out with God. Make sure your Bible is well used over the coming weeks, perhaps as you soak. Number two, decide what you're actually going to do and do it. So there has been a waging text message conversation going on between me, Simon and Kerry on gluten. Is gluten allowed on the Daniel Fast or not? I've had another waging conversation with a few people going, can I eat coconut milk? Can I eat this, that and the other? On our website, there are some guidelines which are based on what some scholars have done looking at Daniel's uh, diet comparing it with our Western diet and trying to come up with an idea on how we can implement some of the principles that Daniel stood to into our own lives. Some of us love that research. Some of us don't care. Some of us are going, do you know what? I'm really confused with what I can eat and what I can't. On the website, there is a list of things we're suggesting as a church you could give up. The main thing, though, is that you sit down and go, I'm going to give up this, 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 and this. Some of you have already emailed me and said, I'm going to give up Netflix, or I'm going to give up uh, my coffee, or whatever it is. You need to choose today, before you start, what you are going to do. And then you need to stick to it. The best way to stick to it is tell someone. So tell the person you live with, or tell, um, tell me, to tell whoever you want to. But decide what you're going to do. Tell someone else, and then just stick to it. Number three, be prepared. Me giving up caffeine this week was a way of preparing myself for next week. But be prepared in whatever way you can. Hit the free from aisle in Sainsbury's or Tesco's. That will help you. Get lots of fruit in. Believe me, that will really help when the sugar slump comes. Be prepared in whatever way you can with your food. And be prepared with your diary that you're going to need to put some time to hear God's voice. Finally, though, be part of a community. Last year on our Facebook page, we have a closed Daniel Fast Facebook page. It was full of recipe ideas through to prayer breakthroughs, through to Bible verses, through to encouragement. That community for me over those three weeks was brilliant. It kept me going when all I wanted was a Mars bar. I would urge you not to fast alone for these three weeks because the nature of this particular fast, not all fasts, but this particular fast is a community one. We're doing it together with Ipswich International Church. So there are a number of ways to get involved and they're all on the website or they're on the screen on a rolling slide out there or you can talk to me or Simon at the end and we can even sign you up immediately. But every day there will be an email that goes out encouraging you with things and with the Bible verses for the day on. 
Or you can be part of the Facebook group. Again, we can encourage you and support you, and you can support others through that as well. There's the Daniel Fast leaflets, which you were given as you came in. And then finally, there's a whole heap of touch points, um, which I should have put on the screen, and I haven't, and I'm really sorry. But they are on Monday morning at 9.30. We worship and pray together here at Burlington. On a Wednesday lunchtime, we will be here at half past 12 to half past one, worshipping and praying together. And then on a Friday, we will be worshipping at 7.30 in the evening. The first week is at Elam. The second week is here. And the third week is back at Elam. There are also some touch points which Elam are inviting us to. All of the details are on the slides that are rolling out in the uh, hallway. And we will put them on the screen at the end as well. We are community fasting. That's exciting because we can encourage one another. We can support one another. We can challenge one another. And we can rejoice when God does something or when we hear his voice together. It's going to hopefully be exciting as we fast together with Ipswich International Church that we build something stronger between our relationships. And at the end, we can celebrate that together. We can also pray for our area that we love together. We can also pray for one another as we worship and as we pray. Harold will be here next week preaching uh, as a way of us building another relationship. Be part of the community. However you fast, I am so excited that at the beginning of this year, you're joining with probably hundreds of other people from the two churches who are saying at the beginning of this year, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to worship you. And for the first month, I'm putting you first in all that I can do. I'm going to think a little bit now about grace and truth, about our theme. And Simon's going to come and do that now. quiet in here, isn't it? Jesus came and lived among us and he was full of grace and truth. Excellent. You're right there. So over these next uh, three weeks, we're going to spend the first week looking at our earth relationship, our relationship with God. And the second, the middle week, our relationship with one another as uh, disciples. And in our third week together, uh, we're looking out to our missional uh, relationships. Because Jesus did that. And as we seek to model our lives, our hearts on him, it seems quite fitting that we take that balance of, of his life uh, that was full of grace and truth in those different areas. What I want us to think about, just for these next few minutes, um, uh, maybe more, more about our hearts, whereas Claire, I think, really helpful, helped me get my head around some things as we start to think about fasting. I perhaps want to just invite you to think about what God's saying to your heart, because they're right in the, at the center of the life and ministry of Jesus. He said some words that he said... And ever since we have understood to be words that kind of sum the whole thing up. 
So as we think about our up relationship, our relationship with God, we hear these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your and with all your and with all your mind. Everything about our walk as a Christian begins from our relationship with God. And right at the heart of it all, Jesus says, a commandment if you like, or maybe an invitation if you prefer, do you love me with all of your heart? Do you love me with all that you are? To long for him more than anyone or anything else. And this is where the Spirit of God's been really digging at me, and uh, therefore uh, I thought I'd invite him to dig at you too, so that we can be in it together. If we ask the question of us this morning, or I was to ask you, do you love God? You would say, yes. Almost uh, instinctively, and, and it wouldn't be a pat answer, you would mean it, you love God, but do I long for his presence more than anything else? Do you? Do you long for his presence more than anything else? You see, I think if I'm honest, I can quite easily answer the question, uh, do I love God? Yes. But do I long for him, for his presence alone, with all of my being? To be honest, I'm not so sure. To be honest, I'm not so sure. So I've been stirred by some of the phrases in the Psalms, like Psalm 63, You, God, are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land. I don't know if you can remember a time when you've been thirsty, and actually when you're really thirsty, nothing else matters. You become single-minded. You become very focused about getting that next drink, wherever it might come from. Some of you will carry water with you to make sure you never experience that sort of, oh, I need a drink, I am thirsty. Because it somehow grabs all that you are when you're truly thirsty. Am I truly thirsty for God. I'm not sure I am. Are we truly thirsty for God? I'm not sure we are. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My false my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet God? That, that sense that your whole being is engaged in looking for, longing, and yearning for God's presence above all else. It paints a desperate picture for God's presence. As one preacher put it, he wants your pants. But that's a different kind of sermon altogether. Ooh, ooh, we're a hard audience this morning. It's quite hard in the house. 
You see, the question how hungry or thirsty am I for God could be asked a different way. When I wake up in the morning, what am I yearning for? Honestly, I, I don't see that our lives exhibit an ultimate yearning for the presence of God. Mine neither. When we wake up in the morning, there are all kinds of yearnings that go on in our lives that dominate the focus of our day. I yearn for a coffee, as we've heard about. I yearn for breakfast. I yearn to have a productive day. My longing is that at the end of the day, I will feel pleased with what I've achieved. Or I yearn to get that which I've wanted to do for the last few days done and ticked off. I'm yearning to do something good for God. Sometimes you wake up and you're yearning just to get to the end of the day. I just want to get through today. I'm longing to have a day when those nagging anxieties don't fill my mind. What are the things that we're truly hungry for each day? And the reason it matters, and this perhaps is the, the fresh or the renewed revelation that I'd like to settle on us as a community as we begin this fast. The revelation is this. It's in so many ways obvious, but sometimes it's the obvious things that become more profound. If I'm not hungry for God, I cannot be satisfied by God. If I'm not hungry for Him, I cannot be satisfied by him. It's obvious, really, isn't it? The meal that you've looked forward to, that you're having at eight o'clock in the evening, and it's your favorite meal, what would it be? That's not a complicated question. Toad in the hole. Oh, really? Mm. A handy chicken. Tika Buna. And you know that at 8 o'clock in the evening, that meal will satisfy you in a way no other meal will. You can replace the meal for whatever your meal is, but you know what I'm talking about. Hello? It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and you're getting quite hungry. Four hours to go. You have a biscuit or three because it still seems a long way off. And on your way home, you pop into a shop to pick up the drink or whatever you'll have with your meal and there's some, what would it be? There's some Maltesers. They're supposed to be light, aren't they? But not if you eat the whole box. I've discovered that. <laughs> and you pick up some chocolates. But the meal's still coming at 8 o'clock. But then when you get home, there's a half-opened pot of Pringles. And once you start, you can't stop. And so now you've eaten the biscuits and the Maltesers and the Pringles. And you're beginning to feel a little bit full. To be honest, you're not endlessly satisfied. But in that particular moment... At 7.55, you are quite satisfied. It does not matter then how good the boona is. It cannot satisfy you. 
because you are already satisfied with lesser things. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And so think about our spiritual journey. It doesn't matter how good the meal, the feast of God's presence is. If we come to God's presence already satisfied of sorts by lesser things, it doesn't matter how good His presence is, how fantastic the meal of being near Him is to our lives, we cannot be satisfied by it. Because we have already become satisfied by lesser things. Which is why I think maybe Jeremiah makes the point, when you seek me, you've got to seek me with all of your heart. It's no good seeking me if you've already been found in so many other ways. Because if I'm not empty, then I cannot be filled. Psalmist again makes the same point. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. But if I'm not thirsty and if I'm not hungry, then I'll never be satisfied. However good the drink of his presence, however good the feast of intimacy with him is, because I've already Fill that space with some lesser things. Has our appetite become so dulled by the things that we can readily snack on that we are not hungry for God's presence in the way that we could be? I think that's true for me. What about you? John Piper puts it like this. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you've nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. I want to journey through this fast feeling more and more hungry for God. Because it's out of that hunger that He can fill us. It's out of that sense of thirst that the streams of living water can begin to flow. But it all starts with how hungry you are. How do you get hungry? How, how do you get hungry? Well, you fast. That's almost too obvious to say, isn't it? But as Claire has so helpfully reminded us, as we begin to fast physically, our real hungers rise to the surface. We begin to become aware that we are hungry in ways that we had not been uh, aware of. You fast. Secondly, you pray. I love what Andrew was saying in our opening worship about, um, well, in fact, God had said it first, uh, to be fair, about how He is the one that draws us. The very grace of God is that He helps us to come into His presence. Jesus says that, that the Father 
is at work drawing us to him. So we can pray very legitimately, very biblically through this fast. Lord, help me to become more hungry for you, more thirsty for you, more desperate for your presence. Because it's only as he brings that reality into our lives, so it becomes true for us. So you fast and you pray. God, I lay my appetites, I lay my desires before you. Because it's only your grace that draws me into your presence. It's only your grace that helps me long for your presence. And that's why there's this kind of mix in our lives. We we long for God's presence and we readily say that all we want is God's presence in our lives. But it's a thousand times easier to sit down and eat a meal than it is to sit in God's presence. It's a thousand times easier to watch the telly all evening than to be in God's presence. It's a thousand times easier to say, I'll just tidy the rest of the house before I do. I'll just do this before I do. And it reveals that when we say we're hungry for his presence, we're probably not as hungry as we'd like to believe we are. And so we fast and we pray. And thirdly, we connect. Claire's talked about this all ready. But to be really honest, if you do the Daniel fast by yourself, you'll be hungry and miserable. You'll be hungry and miserable. It's about a journey together. And when you connect with people on the same journey, it does something for you. A few days ago, I sat in Harold's office And he's saying, oh, I was awake really early this morning and the Lord was speaking to me uh, about whatever it was. Don't need to, that's irrelevant. And I'm thinking, I could barely grunt before 10 a.m. But something about the enthusiasm and the, the, the longing for what God was doing in his life changed me in that moment. Are you with me? I felt different because he'd said something about himself. And so with one another, as we connect together, And as we spur one another on for a a deeper sense of of thirst and longing. And then finally, how do you get hungry? You pursue or persist. Maybe you do both. You pursue and you persist, not in what you currently desire, but in what you long to desire. And one of the amazing things about the way that God has created us is that we, in the end, in the name of Jesus, can train our appetites, can't we? Hmm. You see, years ago, when uh, I decided to give up sugar from coffee and tea, I didn't desire a cup of tea or a cup of coffee without sugar at all. It was horrible. And that went on for, if any of you are trying to give up sugar and tea and coffee, it takes a lot longer than they tell you, the lying little toads. (laughs) For months, I don't think I enjoyed a drink. But now, I love it. And if you put just a little bit of sugar in it, Now, there's nothing special about that other than I persisted in what I eventually wanted to desire. Now, the hardest thing about this fast, in a way, 
is that we want to desire God's presence, and yet there are all kinds of desires clamoring in the way. Are you with me? And, and, and that's why the Daniel fast is not a 24-hour hit, hit wonder. Some of you have said, and I perfectly understand why you've said it, why don't we just go without food for a 24 hours and be done with it, all this faffing about with shopping and stuff, all this having to uh, cook different things and think about it, because it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Uh, and I'm right with you. Uh, Carrie's got a flu-like thing going on at the moment, so yesterday I did all the shopping. Uh, and I was buying things that I didn't even know existed. Pronouncing things to the people in the shop, wondering if I'd got the pronunciation right. It takes a lot more effort for sure, but that's because it's a marathon we're into and not a sprint. If I can for three weeks keep going with pursuing God's presence, then that will do something for me that 24 hours will not, because by Tuesday morning it will be over, and I will carry on on Tuesday just where I left off on Sunday, glad that I got over that 24 hours. You with me? And so the invitation is to something different. And does it take a long time? And does it take a lot of hassle? Of course. But what breakthrough in journeying with Jesus doesn't? What change in our relationship with God will come about by a simple flick of any kind of switch or some simple quick fix? So you pursue it. And we train our appetites. I now enjoy jasmine tea. You know what Claire said earlier on about the coffee and, the, uh, and the, the trustees meeting? It's the only trustees meeting that I think I'm ever aware of that the next day, the then church secretary that was Angela uh, uh, got in contact with Kerry and said, is he all right? <laughs> he clearly wasn't all right. It is about saying, in the deep conviction of my heart, when the psalmist says, I hunger after God with all my being, I'm left thinking, I'm not sure that's me yet. And it is a recognition that if I want to hunger, if I want that appetite at the core of my being, then I'm the only one that can ultimately take responsibility for that and pursue and persist till one day what started off as a discipline becomes a habit and ends up being a lifestyle. So there are a few things, perhaps many things, through these three weeks that will be a discipline. And at the end of the three weeks, you will be glad to let them go. There will be a few things that will become habits and you'll think, do you know what? This has been good for me and I'm going to keep it going. And out of those few things that you will keep going, there will be one or two other things that you will push right through and they'll no longer be discipline and they'll no longer be habit, but they will become a lifestyle. So what starts off as a discipline ends as a lifestyle. I discipline myself through the month of January to hunger after God in a way I am not currently naturally desiring. So that sometime in June or July, there'll be a lifestyle that hungers after God more than he does right now.
That's the invitation, not just of these three weeks, but of the journey that we're on as a whole church. Let's pray together. My soul longs for you. And I long to long for you more. I'm hungry for you, but I'm not hungry enough. I'm thirsty for you, but I don't feel that I'm parched because I sip on all kinds of other things. When I wake, my yearnings are many and varied. And I hear your spirit love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. So help me. Draw me. I'm going to pray to you. Asking you to make me hungry for your presence. And I'm going to persist and pursue that I might train my longing, my appetites, my heart's desire to be for you and for you only. Be quiet for a moment and then Andrew will lead us as we sing.